morning. It's Money Talk with James Ross. It is 17 minutes to nine. And in your money today, Carolyn Wright finds out what property developers need to be doing about occupier well-being. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. The ESG sector is a hot topic for many investors at the moment. And today I'm going to continue a discussion we started around a month ago with Andrew Lau, Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers, looking specifically at the property sector. Thanks for joining me again, Andrew. Good morning. Hello, everyone. So one thing you touched upon last time was employee well-being. So let's take a deeper dive into that and look at the considerations that developers and landlords should be looking at around that. Now, one thing that I seem to remember being mentioned quite a lot in the press a few years ago, though not necessarily quite so much now, was a thing called sick building syndrome. So what's going on there? What is it first off and how can it be addressed? It is a topic being in the industry for many years. So sick building syndrome literally means the building is spreading unnecessary disease or bacteria that making everybody sick. It was a big topic during the COVID period, but actually I think now it's more important than ever. The reason why is because everybody take their mask off. They are less conscious on the health and well-being and also their own hygiene. So this has become very important now. And for a building that can take care of this specific issues, they should be looking into every aspect about not just air quality, but the journey of the people that utilizing the building from the way they enter the building all the way through the elevators, through the doorway, through the already back into the office space, like how the air quality, how the temperature, humidity gonna affect them. So those are very important topic, but believe it, it's still there. Like uh, in our office, one of the very example, we still have a few days that people get sick very easily. And I call it like a sick building syndrome already. Gosh, now how can we employ technology to help alleviate these problems? Maybe first off to assess them and, and then to actually address them. I think both sides have to take responsibility. Like first is the occupier side. They always have to look after their own hygiene. And some of the office, like a corporate office themselves, they will procure some of the air purifier. But this is very important to understand what does the air purifier do. We cannot just buy any type of air purifier because some of them just for commercial purpose, they just have a filter, help the air circulation. They doesn't kill any bacteria. So for an air filter that does kill bacteria, they will be tested, have a lab report. At the same time, there are specific items that kill bacteria, for example, silver iron. So that's very important to understand the features. And secondly, it's about the base building facilities. So that's where the landlord can chip in. So for a central air conditioning system, there will be a couple layers of filters. That's one thing. And the other thing is about the temperature and humidity control. For the older building, we discussed last time, right? Mm. Some a lot of aging building in Hong Kong, they don't have a very sophisticated like control system in place. So what that does is they manually open up the chill water valve. So the air that comes into the space is always cold, colder than we expected. And there's no way they can adjust it. So no matter how many times we cry out for, oh, this is too cold, this is too cold, this is too cold. Colder the outside, the colder the inside is frustrating. And the reason why is that is because the control system is really just doesn't work. So for the landlord that really 
want to resolve this issue, they should first of all look at their own facilities, try to repair the control system if this malfunction, and install additional control mechanism to make sure that they have control over things. That's already fundamental. So on top of that, they should look at review their type of filters that they have. Some filters just doesn't kill bacteria. So they cannot just rely on the normal filter that do the job for them. They should understand better what's going on here. Maybe additional layer of filters or a specific type of filters, as I mentioned, silver iron or add a UV lamp, those kind of things that will help a lot. Are there any like specific certifications that building managers can either aspire to get or that people who are looking for a prospective office can check whether it, the, the premises they're looking at have? Yes, there's actually a lot of certification that help them. One thing is the well certification from the international perspective is helping a building assess the health and well-being status of the building. If that's a too sophisticated, there is a simpler version called well health and safety rating, simply addressing this particular safe building syndrome, helping the building managers or building owners to understand how good or bad their building is. If they're up to the normal standard, not the best in class standard, but at least reach their point where they are reducing the risk of getting sick building syndrome. So those are very simple way to get a building understand where they are and how to help their tenants to resolve this problem. Now, let's talk about the benefits that doing this can bring. What can it do to, to help employees? I think not just the employee, but to help the building manager themselves. Think about they're receiving complaint call like every hours about, oh, the building's too cold. So reducing their workload themselves actually help a lot already. <laughs> so the tenant obviously benefit by having a more comfortable environment. At the same time, their building operation will be less burden, less call, less complaint, less work they need to do, so on and so forth. It actually helping them to increase the value of the building itself. So think about all the operating costs they need to spend just to resolve this complaint, these issues versus they are having more like capacity to do the value add to the tenants. So those are the points that where we see they can really add value to the building. Again, as we discussed last time, right, there's more building out there than we needed at this moment. So the building managers or the building owners should look to differentiate themselves against their competition by doing the things that up to standard, up to people's expectation, so that they can be on the market longer than the competitors. So lots of aspects to look at. Now, one other thing I was going to ask you about today is a little bit about social aspects and the idea of sort of building a community within an office space or a building. How can we employ technology to do that? Oh, there's so many technologies out there. I think one thing is about feedback, like a, a dialogue that ongoing communication between the tenants and the landlord building management. Because every building will have different demand. So some building, they are looking for more F&B outlets so that they can have more choices of food. Some of the building, they are looking for more comfortable environments so that they can walk on the park or something like that. So a communication platform is the most important part. And there's a lot of platforms out there that facilitate those type of communication. So people can do a survey from time to time or they can give like instant feedback by scanning a QR code. Those are very simple way technologies that can help to facilitate that. And in terms of social aspect, like how the building manager can add value, I think that's very important to understand the people. So what does the people need? So the people come to work, they are getting paid, of course, but at the same time, they want to be happy. 
So they want to have a very happy journey from the way they arrive the building all the way to their office, all the way to when they leave the space, right? So it's very important for the building managers to understand people have to look for a way up to a certain space or they looking for a certain type of facilities. It's frustrating sometimes. Like I had a very experience last time when I was invited to a forum. I was looking for way to that forest, like 12 forests, for example. The signboard out at the lobby is just pointing the wrong direction <laughs> because somebody moved the sign from like uh, facing horizontal to vertical, which I mean is they basically pointing me out of the building when I was trying to get to the 12 forests. So this is really frustrating. So those are the things that really like uh, have to pay attention to. So those little details, what does the people want? So this is what we call social aspect. So some people, they just look for, okay, uh, easier entryway, easier wayfinding. Some people just look for accessibility, for example. We have to take care of the diversity and inclusion. So some disabled people, they will look for easier accessibility to certain space. So how to facilitate that? Uh, different gender, different religious, different nationalities, how we can really integrate the community together in a specific and very easy manner. I think those are very important. I love the fact that there are, you know, as simple things as just making sure your signage is right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much once again for joining me today. That's Andrew Lau, Director of ESG Advisory at Colliers. Thank you very much for having me today.